Hey everybody and welcome to the Darkcast. This is episode number 63 and I'm your host Jonathan Miley. Today we've got a special episode for you. We're talking to Ryan Vandenick of Eden Industries. We're going to be talking about his new game, Citizens of Earth, which was just announced last week. Uh, we're also going to be talking about a new initiative for his company called Garden of Indy. Uh, so it's a really great show we have lined up for you. Um, we did record this over Skype, so it's not quite the quality that I would like it to be, uh, but I hope uh, you still enjoy it. And finally, if you remember last week, we retired our Darkcast theme song for the last uh, year and a half, and we've got a new one for you this week. Uh, it's a song called Momentum. It was composed just for us by Daniel Cole. And the music that we'll play in between the two different sections of the podcast is a song called Riding the Fire Trails, also composed for us by Daniel Cole. So I hope you like the new music, and away we go. Hey everybody, welcome to the Darkcast. I'm your host Jonathan Miley, and with me is Jeremy Meyer, and we've got a special guest today, Ryan Vandenick of Eden Industries. You just announced a new game. Yeah, that's right. Just this week, uh, Citizens of Earth. Uh, why don't you, right. uh, uh, well, um, tell us uh, kind of what you've been up to with that. Um, you know, just announced on the uh, the 23rd. Um, mm-hmm. Let us know, what, what is that game? And also, I guess before we do that, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for being on again. Glad to have you back. Uh, yeah, so Citizens of Earth is uh, our new game, the second one in development at Eden Industries. And it is an RPG, kind of, uh, you know, uh, inspired by the classic RPGs you know, that we you know, loved and played so much of back on the Super Nintendo, but with sort of a modern fusion um, of you know all the kind of great stuff that's been going on in gaming lately, so it's kind of our, I guess our, our mission at Eden Industries. We kind of take the the best of the stuff we loved as kids and we combine it with you know kind of the best of modern gaming and kind of create that fusion. So that's you know kind of what our goal with Waveform, and that's what we've done this time around with a new genre uh, being RPG. All right, um, so. Obviously, very different game from uh, from Waveform. I mean, in Waveform, you yes. play a particle of light. You're matching patterns um, and trying to, to get through the, the universe. Uh, not too much of a story or anything like that. How mm-hmm. how did you go from puzzle-based light particle game to a game where you yeah. play the <laughs> vice president of the world? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Quite so, different. Um, yeah, very different. Um, you know, I, I love RPGs. It's sort of my favorite genre of game to play, actually, and I've always wanted to make one. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, actually, Citizens of Earth, I had, you know, sort of begun designing it even before I ever um, came up with a different waveform. And at the time, I just, you know, I was sort of just kind of getting my feet wet with indie development. I didn't really think I had the resources to make a full RPG. Mm-hmm. Um, so instead, I went with something a bit more experimental. I kind of played my strengths um, with Waveform. But you know, once you know that was done, and I kind of uh, you know, had that out there, I had my you know in-house engine you know finally built. Um, I thought, yeah, you know, what, I think I'm ready to take on RPG. You know, sort of talking um, with the other team members after Waveform shipped, and yeah, they all thought it was a great idea, and we sort of just were kind of talking about a whole bunch of ideas, actually. And, yeah, this was the one that kind of stuck out for everyone. So we decided to kind of go gung-ho and see what we can do. Awesome. Uh, sounds exciting. Yeah. Yeah. I love RPGs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, um, so a big part of RPGs, you know, especially with the JRPGs, as you're saying, this is a throwback, it was uh, the combat. So uh, mm. what kind of combat are we going to expect in Citizens of Earth? Uh, yeah, so right now we kind of have, you know, we haven't 100% nailed everything down. We have sort of a, kind of a classic, you know, Dragon Quest Earthbound style combat with 
a bit of a you know unique way for all the you know the characters um, to interact in the battle. Um, but it certainly has a lot of similarities to that sort of Dragon Quest fun style. But actually, uh, February coming up, we're kind of devoting to as like combat month, and we're going to just do a whole bunch of exploration and you know really refine the combat experience. And it might change a lot from what we have now. Uh, it might, not, but you know, definitely our goal is to come up with something that um, is, you know, accessible and easier for people to play who just, you know, sort of want a, you know, uh, I, think, I, don't, I don't want a simple experience, but, just, you know, we don't want to exclude anyone from enjoying this game. Mm-hmm. Um, we're also coming up with something, you know, that, that's unique and innovative and kind of, um, you know, has that yeah, uniqueness uh, that we try to strive for at Unity. And certainly something that people haven't, uh, haven't seen before, and, you know, will be exciting for our fans as well to, you know, experience something different. Um, so, uh, just one side note, uh, there's no random encounters in Citizen That's right. Earth, right? Which is kind That's of a staple of a lot of JRPGs. You're walking along, and then, boom, <laughs> attacked by Pokemon. Uh, <laughs> so you'll be able to yeah. see all the enemies that you can attack. Do you, do you think there would be any way to kind of get around enemies, or uh, if you don't attack them, they'll attack you, essentially. Is that I'm just kind of what uh, we... well, So right now we have, again, like, you know, this could expand a number of ways. Right now we have sort of some AI, so, like, if you're peeking behind the enemies, they won't notice you. Okay. But if they if they look at you, then they'll start chasing you. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's definitely ways of avoiding combat. And then plus, uh, since, you know, you're like the vice president, you can command your followers to rush into the enemies. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can use it so it's like you get the upper hand in battles. Um, and similarly, if you're trying to avoid the enemies and don't do a great job of it and they notice you, they'll charge into you and they can get the upper hand. So there's a couple different ways you can sort of, um, yeah, initiate the battles there. Uh, so, so you mentioned the followers that you have. So like your party, um, what kind of characters can you have in your, uh, like what kind of parties can you make up in this game? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so basically, one of the big things of the game, and even inspired the title, Citizens of Earth, is that we really wanted to sort of empower just regular citizens and to really have that be a departure from a lot of RPG replay as the heroes, right? Um, so a lot of, you know, the, the screenshots, you'll see a lot of, you know, funny characters. Um, you can read about that. Your younger brother and your mom that you kind of gang-pressed into, you know, doing your dirty work for you. You've got uh, the baker and barista. You've got um, a bodybuilder, who you know kind of has like the whole '80s kind of stereotype going. Um, you have in the screenshot. We also have uh, uh, the town, like a school mascot or some kind of mask. They wear in a funny suit. Um, but there's you know in, you know beyond the screenshots. Oh, there's also a guy who's like kind of a conspiracy theorist. Um, oh, but you know we've got there's a school teacher. We've got you know a doctor. We've got a homeless guy. We've got a hiker. Uh, you know, pretty much, we're kind of just trying to take a wide, you know, broad look at, you know, everyone, just regular people, regular citizens in everyday life. And, you know, if they have a, a sort of funny thing they can do in battle and a funny um, you know, kind of day job that we can, you know, leverage outside of battle, then, you know, that's someone we're considering uh, as a party member. So it's going to be lots and very uh, diverse. So. Just a, another quick question. I can see how, like, a barista would help you out because, you know, when he's not fighting for you, he's making coffee for you so you can continue right. to fight. Uh, how right. does a hobo help you out? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, uh, being, the vice president, yeah. <laughs> being the vice president of Earth, you don't necessarily want to get your hands dirty rooting through garbage. But, you know, one man's trash is another man's treasure, and there might be some good loot in there. Nice. So that's just, you know, <laughs> when I do work exploring. So. When you say 80s bodybuilder, I just picture Arnold Schwarzenegger. So. Yeah. I, I picture uh, the guys from Bad Dudes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's got one of the screenshots there. You know, he's got, like, the, the, you know, the long, you know, blonde hair, the tights, uh, you, know, you know, the 80s kind of mullet hair. So. And also, uh, just uh, okay. one more note, um, There, a lot of these screenshots are on our article uh, from the announcement, and then the rest of them I will include in the show notes of this. So, listeners, if you're wondering what Ryan is describing, you'll be able to see some of this stuff in the show notes. So be sure to check that out. Uh, continue with what you were going to say. Jeremy, sorry. Oh, well, um, on to our next question. Um, 
So for this game, unlike Waveform, there's there's a lot more of a writing process because mm-hmm. obviously there's more of a story for this game, um, which you know you don't really need when a game where you play as a particle of light. But uh, what has been some of the challenges you've faced? And you know, this game seems the world in this game seems to be a little absurd and crazy. So how has that yeah. kind of affected the writing process? Well, I mean, you know, the big thing, of course, is like no one on the team is really a writer. You know, like you know, we all have, I guess, various explanations, but certainly no one's like a professional writer. And so, you know, we're kind of trying to take a stance of, you know, not necessarily doing something, you know, super serious that would, you know, require a lot of like that, you know, skill and experience to do. We've all played, you know, who knows how many dozens of RPGs, you know, over the course of our lifetime. So, you know, we've identified some things that, you know, would be funny or, you know, interesting, twist on this and that. Plus, I mean, you know, a lot of it you might be just um, funny twists on culture. So one of the first places you go in the game is a coffee shop called Moonbucks, and it factors into the story a little bit at the start. And it's just, it's it's really more of us, you know, kind of just making the game and every once in a while saying, you know, it would be funny if, you know, the one of the first areas you play is, is a parody of, of Starbucks. Or um, <laughs> it wouldn't be funny if, you know, the, the character you play as was like the you know, kind of a useless bureaucrat who didn't want to get his hands dirty and just command other people. And that's how the whole idea of the vice president of the world came about. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, it's not so much, I'd say, you know, like a strict process where you sit down and, and write it out, but it's more like as we're, you know, fleshing out kind of the, the experience of the game and some of the art, just sort of like, hey, you know, like, wouldn't it be funny if, you know, this was in there? Or, hey, you know what, like, yeah, like, you know, today I went to... You know, I went out for a, a bite to eat in the restaurant, and, you know, it was really funny how, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I wonder if we can just take that to some funny extreme and really kind of make fun of that aspect of, of culture that maybe we don't necessarily always think about. Sounds good. Uh, yeah, one of the things, just kind of looking at the, the pictures, I get a, a nice sense of kind of satire of, of the yeah. world. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, just from the look of the, the vice president, he's, he's very... I, uh, he's got that square jaw and the hair that kind of flips <laughs> up and the right. you know, it looks suit like he's walking with his chest constantly pushed out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's right. Nice. Sounds good. I, I um, just, I, I'm, I guess I'm just gonna make random comments throughout this whole thing. Uh, but I, I get a, a, a good double fine kind of vibe from just. Uh, I don't know if it's the art style or. Um, Actually, if you could talk a little bit about the enemies, because uh, specifically the Rastafarian samurai is just like, okay, I'm I'm gonna buy this game now. I don't I don't care anything else about it. I'm, I have to fight a Rastafarian samurai. Every time I hear that, it's samurai. Samurai. <laughs> yeah. Um So uh, yeah, you can talk about that for a little bit. Sure. Yeah. Um, again, that was sort of one of the fun things. Like we were just kind of looking around at different sort of cultural stereotypes and just thought, it would be funny if we had yeah a character with you know the sort of Stereotype, um, you know, way back Rastafarian kind of Jamaican uh, personality with again, you know, the stereotypical, you know, Japanese imperialistic, you know, honor-bound samurai, mm-hmm. and uh, and again, sort of just hey, you know, these are two kind of stereotype sort of things, but you know, it does affect our perspective of those places, and you know, we really we took those um, you know stereotypes to the extreme and also combined them just to you know kind of just turn the whole thing on its head. And, um, yeah, actually, we're planning on doing that with a number of different, you know, enemies and also, uh, you know, environments you can go to. And uh, certainly that was a lot of the original kind of concept for the game was taking, you know, things in culture or you know, other things like that and taking it not only um, to one extreme, but also going to the opposite, too, and see that uh, the, the contrast of the streams produced anything, uh, you know, funny and memorable, so. Yeah, yeah. Rastafarian Samurai is one example. Um, you know, we have one of the enemies is like the the two paid eagle. It's kind of like a kind of, kind of joke, but you know, the bald eagle iconography of the U.S. Obviously, yeah. yeah. And um, so, just yeah, again, a lot of with that we're trying to yeah, take you know preconceptions or, or you know cultural stereotypes, yeah, to kind of two opposite extremes and combine them. So, yeah. Uh, so uh, one thing that was mentioned in the the article that you sent out to um, you know journalists to, for the 
announcement was that Citizens of Earth will have a multiplayer component. Can you tell us a, a little bit about that? Sure. So, you know, I think uh, kind of the origin of it came from, I don't know if you guys remember back, you know, picking up a copy of Final Fantasy III, as it was, you know, called here, or, you know, six, I guess, is the correct uh, numbering. <laughs> but on the back of the box, it, like, it said, for two players. And I was like, what? Like, I could, like, you know, fight against, like, other people or something? But, of course, no, you could just, you know, each take control of different people on your team against the monsters, right? And I was, like, I was so let down. And I was sort of, ever <laughs> since then, I wanted to play, you know, kind of like a, J- a JRPG, you know, in that, you know, take my team and pit it against someone else's team and see, you know, yeah. who would come out on top. Um, and, you know, I mean, there are some games that, you know, kind of do a bit of that. Like, obviously, you know, Pokemon has... Yeah, that's battles, the only one right? I can but, think of. Right. But, you know, again, it's, it's, I think it's a bit different, you know, than what we're trying to do um, and other JRPGs. But definitely, you know, I wanted basically to, you know, kind of fulfill that childhood dream of, you know, playing Final Fantasy or, or Dragon Quest. Uh, just be like, yeah, I'm going to take, you know, my guys, and, you know, the way I've, you know, customized them, and I'm going to, you know, fight, you know, my friend, and just, you know, see whose team comes out on top. So that's um, basically what we're, what we're planning, and again, you know, obviously what form that takes will depend on some of our experiments, with, you know, with the combat and, you know, kind of where that goes, but uh, absolutely we're planning on having some kind of multiplayer battle uh, in this game when it ships. Okay, that so awesome. so that is that's competitive multiplayer. Do you think there's room for cooperative? Is there a, a vice vice president of the world? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, we're also we're we're trying to figure out some ways that people could uh, um, you know kind of interact. And I don't know if it would quite be like you're playing together in the same game, but mm-hmm. you know there's a lot of emphasis in the game on you know the citizens and their day jobs and what they can offer you outside of battles. And so we're exploring a lot of things where you know, players can interact maybe and, you know, you know, let one of their citizens, you know, help out, you know, another player or their town, um, you know, utilizing, you know, kind of like, you know, their, you know, how, how you've built up that character and their day job and their, you know, kind of specialties and stuff. Um, so it's, I guess, it's more of, I guess, an asynchronous kind of experience where, you know, you're not necessarily directly exploring a world together, but we are hoping to include some, um, you know, means by which, you know, friends can, you know, help each other out and have some kind of interaction there that's, you know, apart from, of course, the competitive battles. Well, awesome. I don't know. I can't wait to see some place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so working on this game, you said that uh, many of the people at Eden are all part-time. How does that work mm-hmm. when making a game that seems to be on a much grander scale than the last game you made? Yeah, it, <laughs> it's tricky. Um one thing, you know, we had to get a lot more artists this time around than with Waveform, since, again, you know, they're all, uh, you know, part-time contributors. And it can be tough to manage sometimes, um, you know, not only managing, you know, the number of people having to sort of um, make up for them being part-time, but also, of course, managing everyone's schedules. You know, like, right now we're working, you know, towards a playable demo of our game at GDC, but, you know, again, most people you know, have full-time jobs or, you know, a number of other commitments. So, you know, trying to work around that to, you know, create a schedule that makes sense, that, you know, is ambitious, you know, for us, but not overly ambitious. Uh, yeah, it, it's tough. It's a lot of work. And, but, you know, I think it's it's something that we're trying to do that is pretty cool. It, it's uh, it tries to empower people to make games you know, want to make games, but otherwise just aren't able to because of other commitments and jobs and this kind of thing. So being able to work with those kinds of people, um, you know, to make games uh, and really explore that you know, passion is something that I think is really awesome, even though it obviously presents, uh, or presents some difficulties. Well, you said, you know, you don't have a, uh, you know, kind of a set writer. You know, if, if you ever need one, there's like 15 at Dark Station. You could probably outsource that, <laughs> and I'm sure any of us would be happy to... <laughs> to help. Um, so nah, we're not doing nothing. No, nah, we, we we never do anything. We didn't just you know completely redesign the site or anything like that. So you know we, we've got plenty of time on our hands. Um, yeah. we can we can do a, a full time job, a one part time job, and a second part time job. That's no sure, big yeah. deal. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, it the game was just announced. Do we have any sort of 
idea of when it might come out? Is this a 2014 game? Is it a, is it a next-gen game? You can't see my air quotes because we're doing this over <laughs> Skype. But, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, you know, we're kind of aiming for early 2014, I think. Um, okay. You know, I mean, I think it would be kind of funny if we were able to hit kind of the two-year anniversary of Waveform. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's really up in the air. I mean, um, again, it's hard to say when you do, or, you know, working with a lot of, you know, part-time people whose schedules aren't always known in advance. Um, and, you know, like, one of the things that we were really proud of in Waveform that got a lot of mention was how polished it was. Mm-hmm. And that's certainly something we want to aim for again, and really something that, um, you know, is really polished not only by indie standards, but also, like, mainstream standards. So, you know, how long that process of polishing takes is certainly something that, you know, I can't really say in advance, but uh, it'll be done when we're very proud of it, and um, I hope people can can wait to it if it requires it. Um, So you said that... I'm willing to wait as long as my games, you know, are great. Yeah. I would rather wait an extra six months or a year or whatnot for a, a better version of a game than to play it sooner and have to get a thousand patches. I was thinking about this today. Games are the only media I think of where it's just like it has to get pushed out whether it's done or not. Like if you're making a movie, then you're just like like oh your time is up, it's time to put it out. But like you know, games have a more strict deadline. It seems it's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. So what what is that kind of just? I'm, I know we didn't uh, really talk about this before, but how does kind of that work uh, since you're an independent de- developer? Um, you know, you're not necessarily bending to the the will of, you know, X publisher trying to get the game out in six months mm-hmm. or a year. Um, how how does that kind of work? I know we're veering away from the actual game itself, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it's good. It's really good, actually. And that's one of the things that um, I really wanted to be able to do through indie development, to have the freedom to, you know work on it until I feel personally that it's something I'm really proud of and I think people are going to enjoy and put it only when it really is done. Um, and, you know, I think that's one reason why, you know, a lot of the guys that are working on, on Citizens of Earth, um, you know, really also believe in that vision, you know, and a lot of them are also from the mainstream industry where, you know, they, they often had to put out products that they weren't proud of. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it's, it's really hard when you, you know, you work hard on something, but you know it's not done, but you have to put it out there anyway. And, you know, people will, you know, you know, criticize it fairly because it wasn't ready and it wasn't done, but, you know, it's also under your control. So um, I think, you know, being part of something where we can all say to each other, you know, like, yeah, we're going to work on this until it's awesome and we're really proud of it and we think it's an experience people are going to enjoy. And that freedom uh, is, I think, yeah, one of the main things that is really awesome about uh, doing indie development. I guess uh, that would also be kind of an inverse of a, a good thing of having a lot of part-time people on the project is that your your next paycheck isn't always necessarily defined by the game, and, you know, we have to get this out so that we can sell copies and get paid. You know, this mm-hmm. is – we're doing the thing that we love, um, and we do this other thing for a paycheck. Uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> there's certainly, you know, a bit of a – I don't know. You know, you're always kind of thinking of that in the back of your head, but at the same time, it's like, you know, we kind of know, yeah, that we're going into this because we want to make games, we want to do what we love, and obviously, you know, we'd like to be paid so we can keep paying. Oh, that kind absolutely, of stuff, yeah. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's important. <laughs> yeah, um, but, you know, go, going into it with the mindset of, you know, making games first, obviously, you know, it's totally it's a different kind of situation, so. Awesome. Uh, well, we're going to take a, a short break uh, because we've got some new podcast music, and I want to play it for the transition between our topics here. And we're going to move on talking about a new initiative with um, Eden Industries in just a second. actually really take a break there i just wanted you to hear music um so that is one of our our new theme songs for the uh the podcast 
Uh, Ryan, when you sent out a, an email a couple of weeks ago about kind of the announcement of Citizens of Earth, and I was reading that, and I was like, oh, this sounds really awesome. But then I got about halfway down the email, and you started talking about a um, a new thing for uh, Eden Industries called Garden of Indy, and that just piqued my interest through the roof. I was like, this sounds fantastic, um, yeah. and I, I really want to hear uh, more about that. So if you could just kind of give us a, a brief overview of the Garden of Indy and what, what that is. Sure, yeah. So it's uh, kind of a new initiative we're trying um, that aims to solve a lot of the problems that we encountered um, or like specifically you know, that I encountered while you know making waveform you know kind of from the ground up building everything from scratch um, and it also kind of aims to again empower people like I was saying uh, previously empower people to make games or passionate making games um, that otherwise maybe wouldn't be able to do it for one reason or another and so the whole idea is to take, you know, what we have at Eden Industries, whether that's, um, you know, our, like, technical engine that we've built or, you know, some of the experience of the guys um, or really anything that, you know, we can, we can offer um, and use that to, to partner with some of these people who, you know, really have a, you know, a passion and have you know, a skill set for developing games but are missing some, the, some pieces. And we just want to, you know, create um, – an opportunity to kind of bridge that gap and partner with these people to, you know, to make awesome games together. And that's really kind of what's at the heart of the Garden of Indy. So a big, a big networking program. Um, you know, I think that's certainly a component of it, but I'd say, yeah, it really, I think, goes a lot deeper than that. Um, you know, uh, for example, like the, the kind of the first beta test that we're running of uh, in, involving uh, Robin Vincent, who is the lead level designer of Waveform, um, you know, he's he got a full-time job as well, making games out of the company. And, uh, but, you know, obviously he really, you know, likes working, you know, with us at the industry and, you know, has you know, some ideas in, for his own games. And we were able to, to hook him up with a custom-built game engine, kind of built off our tech to support his, uh, you know, vision. And he, you know, kind of has a couple guys also that, you know, he's brought on to, you know, work on that game with him. And um, so, really, it's, you know, that's an example of a very deep partnership where we're, you know, building out the tech for him and supporting him, you know, kind of along alongside uh, filling the gaps that would otherwise be um, sort of in that in that team he's assembled. So, it's uh, yeah, it's a networking kind of thing is a part of it, but I'd say uh, I definitely see it going a little deeper most of the time. So, I mean, you you just said that you know it's it's definitely kind of. Um, born out of the, the struggles that you experienced in making uh, Waveform. Um, is there anything sort of like this for bigger developers when you were at um, Silicon Knights or, um, forgive me, what was the other studio that you were at for a while before Silicon? Uh, it's uh, actually before and after. Before <laughs> and after. Uh, next level game. Yeah, next, uh, next level. Um, is there anything like this outside of the indie space? That I know of, and actually, yeah. now that you say it, um, one of the other things that kind of inspired this whole thing was the fact that, you know, while I was working at Next Level and at Silicon Knights, um, you know, there, I, I always thought that it would be awesome if you know, a company recognized the talent and passion of all the employees and worked with them to do these kinds of projects. In, on the side, in, in ways that you know benefited both parties, and and the kind of sad thing is that it, there really just isn't that kind of opportunity. In fact, uh, in my experience, is actually a you know sort of a, a very hostile attitude towards anything of that sort. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's so just kind of bizarre because you have a group of people who love making games and would happily make games outside of work too, and you have you know a, a company that's established with people you know sort of skill sets that, you know, are so broad and have experience and this, you know, tech, and to just limit it in such a way, I think is really just, um, yeah, kind of a, a lose-lose for everyone. And so, you know, again, so this was sort of, Dark City was kind of born out of, again, that experience and saying, like, why can't, you know, we partner with, with you know, great people who are passionate and, and skilled and just find ways to work together to make awesome things, even if it's, you know, a little out of the ordinary. Mm -hmm. 
it would be amazing to see what could happen if we just take down the barriers of like company standards and just have mm-hmm. anybody get together and you know contribute to something. Yeah. Well, I, I actually, you know, one of the things that you know I reminded of is, you know, of course, whatever it was a couple of years ago, you know, actually, you know, you mentioned Double Fine before, but that's one thing they did, right? They were having trouble with, um, you know, the publishers there, and they said, you know, what? as a company, we're just going to do an internal like game jam, mm-hmm. and see yeah. what we can do with like four ideas. They all put them to market, and they're all well received as well. And I'm like, that to me is fantastic. They just, you know, tried to, add, you know, reach out to everyone in the company in any way that they could. And I think it obviously paid off for them really well. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I would say that um, Double Fine is probably one of the best um, examples of, I mean, they're, they're really only working with themselves, but basically sharing, um, you know, different assets and things, sharing different uh, skill sets between different parts of the company. You know, somebody that might not normally be a programmer or writer uh, doing that because he enjoys it and something great can come out of it. Um, uh, I, I never actually got to watch any of the uh, Amnesia Fortnite uh, stuff, but they recently you know, aired all that stuff online so you could watch these small teams of yeah. Double Fine employees um, make random games, and uh, yeah. it, it sounded really awesome. Um, now, the, uh, kind of what uh, you said a little bit ago, of kind of a hostile environment um, with different game companies, that's, that's one thing that's always kind of puzzled me is most game developers seem to be really secretive of the, the tips and tricks that they learn uh, when making a game, and the only time that any of this stuff ever gets revealed is at GDC, where one company will talk about how they did, you know, this sequence in their game that was popular last year. Um, one of the um, talks that I always remember, I, I, I don't remember where I heard part of it from, because uh, I, I didn't actually get to go to this GDC or any of them yet, one of these days, uh, but... <laughs> um, was it was uh, Naughty Dog talking about how they did the train sequence on Uncharted 2. And they, it was mm-hmm. just very kind of unprecedented. So they're, they're sharing how they did this with everyone else, but for the most part, the, the games industry is very secret. They don't want to say, oh, this is how we made this game look this good. This is how we got X to do Y. This is how, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and this it just seems to be going completely the opposite direction of that. Um, yeah, well, the funny thing, too, is they're very secretive, but 95% of their secrets are known to anyone. At, like, everyone's doing it. Mm-hmm. They just are all keeping it secret, right? Like, but, you know, really, yeah, I'd say 95% of what you're doing uh, isn't unique from other, what other people are doing. You're just, but you're still keeping it secret on principle, right? Right. But it, it just seems kind of absurd because if you all shared those secrets, you know, somebody who hasn't figured this out could benefit greatly from it. Or, I mean, just thinking of, you know, two people not having to reinvent the wheel at two different locations, mm-hmm. you know, if two yeah. people could, or two groups could come together and make a wheel, it'd be a much, I guess, bigger wheel. <laughs> analogy kind of broke yeah. down. Uh, but, yeah. um. Do this to go back to Epic and Silicon Knights and they wouldn't have had their problem. <laughs> Um, so, just out of curiosity, what? Why do you think there is so much secrecy among developers? Why? Why is everyone kind of so tight-lid around um, stuff about games? Obviously, story content makes sense. You don't want to make spoilers like that. But I mean, game mechanics and stuff. Why? Why can't they just share? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think a part of it is, you know. It's a very competitive industry, um, and it's very hard making games. And if you can maintain some kind of competitive edge that will help you, you know, stay afloat as a company, you know, keep people employed, I mean, you know, those are kind of honorable goals, right? Mm-hmm. You know, but the unfortunate thing is, yeah, it's a very, it's very hard making games. It's a very tough road, and, you know, I guess people feel that you know, if there's a way that they can keep some advantage to themselves, that they'll just have you know, that one you know, more, I don't know, step above in order to keep doing it, you know, stay in business and keep making games. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, there I, have been, I mean, a mechanic can make or break a game sometimes. Like, if it's the really unique thing that makes that game stand out, if you share it with somebody and then somebody else gets that same thing out before you do, you know, it could affect your game. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and I mean, you know, certainly, yeah, there are, you know, some proprietary things like, like you know, like story or like, you know, really core mechanics um, that it's possible someone someone could take. But, you know, I'll give you an example. Like, actually, during the development of Waveform, I was kind of scared of revealing the game too early because I thought someone might, you know, take the idea. I thought it was very novel. Mm-hmm. Um, and interestingly enough, at, at some point, um, someone, uh, you know, did independently, you know, create um, this flash game called Steincar. Um, and it came out about five months before I shipped Waveform. So at the time, you know, I'd been working on Waveform for about two and a half years, but I never really talked about it. You know, it was submitted to the IGF and things like that. So it was out there, but not widespread. Um, and then after Waveform shipped, I was accused of, of copying this, you know, Steincar game. And it's kind of funny because it was like the exact scenario I had thought in my head, but in reverse almost. Uh, right. And so, you know, and again, you know, it, it just kind of showed me like, I don't know, again, making games is really hard. <laughs> Maybe, you know, if I would have, you know, revealed Waveform two years earlier, someone would have said, you know, that's a really great idea to, of a game. I'm going to beat them to the punch. It's possible someone would have thought that. But again, you know, to go through all the effort to make a game, so that takes a huge amount of dedication, and I think it's probably not as likely as you know some people think it is, or or scared it is. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I could definitely see you know the desire to you know keep some things proprietary, but uh, right. And I, I guess I'm not really thinking so much in terms of like mechanics, like how you know the the jumping works or something like that in Dishonored. Um, you know that you got the little teleport thing. I'm not really thinking that I'm thinking more of more kind of technical aspects like yeah. how you get the uh you know particle effects and waveform to work or That's right. how how they were able to do the never ending train sequence in um uncharted you know it just keeps going until right. you actually finish the level you don't have to worry about um oh the level's over because we ran out of track um mm-hmm. but kind of things like that that I mean that if if you take that from somebody, if you take that tech idea, then it can be applied to so many other things, and you're not stealing yeah. kind of a core concept. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. I think, yeah, that's, you know, one reason why we want to share, you know, stuff we did. Because, again, you know, Waveform, I did write, you know, my own particle and, and my own, you know, rendering and audio and everything, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's, you know, honestly, probably not better than anyone else out there, right? But... I, you know, I wrote from scratch anyway. And, yeah, just, again, one of the ideas of the whole initiative is, well, why is everyone doing that? I mean, right. And, and I, I'm glad that I built the, the tech because I know exactly how it works. Therefore, you know, when I use it, it's very fast, which is good. That's a benefit. But, you know, not everyone may care about that. Mm-hmm. And I think it's great to have options. And I think, again, you know, like um, – I'm not trying to provide a game engine. You know, I think like Unity and Unreal, like, you know, they provide very comprehensive game engines and do a great job of it. Um, but more so, you know, I would like to provide, um, you know, you know, yeah, it's more of like a partnership, you know, like uh, going back to the example with, you know, Robin and the game he's making, um, you know, like he just likes the way, you know, my tech works. He used it in Waveform and liked it and it's that was great. And, you know, I knew... From you know personally that I could, you know maybe change ten percent and have something built for him. Whereas you know if he took Unity or something, you know probably he'd have to configure a lot more uh, mm-hmm. to get. That. And, you know it just the default pack they offer is not you know kind of tailored to him. So you know being able to, you know kind of customize that experience for people uh, is something that I think will differentiate uh, this initiative, but also make it a bit more restrictive because obviously you know I can't do that for everyone in every case. But, you know, for those that make sense, I think um, it makes a lot more sense than just grabbing an off-the-shelf game engine. Right. Yeah. Um, so you're talking about Waveform uh, just a second ago. Sorry, I wanted to get this out, but I want to interrupt. Um, so you're talking about not wanting to reveal it because of the idea of being, you know, a novel idea and something original. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, with Simpsons of Earth, it's, a format that is already established, like kind of a throwback to the JRPG. So does that has that affected your uh, time to announce it versus time to completion compared to Waveform? Yeah, I think that was part of it. And then again, another 
the part of it was my experience with Waveform, in which I, I didn't really feel like keeping it secret did me any favors. Mm-hmm. And I thought, hey, you know, it's probably better to get it out there and get people excited about it and talking about it, um, you know, for a lot of reasons, not only to kind of build interest, but, um, you know, just, you know, a lot of people have great feedback. And people say all the time, I get, you know, from just fans, like, hey, you know, I was playing Waveform, and wouldn't it be cool if, if you know, this was in there? And I'm like, yeah, actually, yeah, that would have been. It's bad. <laughs> I didn't get to play the game a year ago, you know what I mean? Uh, right. So I yeah. think, you know, reading it early has a lot of uh, cool benefits like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was, I was just curious, to, you know, because of the different game formats and everything. But, um, yeah. So back to the whole Garden of Indie thing, which sounds awesome. Um, yeah. So how will Garden of Indie help, like, uh, fledging dev teams? Like, what kind of resources, everything, will you be sharing or will you not be sharing? I mean, you know, I, I love to share anything I can that, that makes sense. You know, like, again, um, you know, if they, you know, come to me and they say, hey, you know, like, we have this design and this art and, you know, we just, we're having trouble, I don't know, you know, getting the technical base together. And I look at it and say, yeah, you know what, that's like, right, like, you know, 10% different than my current, what my current engine supports. I could, I could build that for you. You know, that might make sense. Or maybe they'll say... Um, you know, hey, you know, we have, you know, this great, you know, kind of game, and we have the art, and we just, but for the life of us, we can't figure out how to really, you know, uh, make make it fun, I guess, for lack of a better word. Like, for example, um, you know, Waveform was fun, you know, quote, fun, like, um, you know, <laughs> three years before we shipped. But there wasn't much to it. But then it took someone like, you know, uh, to come in and really figure out how to take that mechanic and make you know, levels, make an experience out of it. Um, and, you know, certainly, you know, maybe that's, you know, one thing. I, I, you know, me personally, I needed someone to help me with that. And maybe another team will come and say, hey, we really need someone to explore this mechanic with us. And just, you know, help us build levels, build an experience. And, you know, I, I don't know, maybe no one would ever say that. But maybe someone would. And, you know, if they would, I would love to be able to, you know, help them out with that. And it really takes anything. And, I mean, that's why... You know, it, it kind of sucks, you know, that I'm saying, well, I, I don't know what I could provide, but the, the goal is that I could provide anything that I can. And it could, you know, be different for every person, but I certainly am not intended to uh, restrict anything, um, you know, from for anyone. If it, it, it would, you know, make sense for both of us. Um, okay, so, you know, what you've talked about with uh, the Garden of Indie so far is kind of how Eden can help other developers. Do you see this more as a as as Eden being the, the core of this initiative, or do you see it more as a, a network where you can help other developers, they can help you, and it's just kind of everyone giving back and forth? Uh, yeah, I think, I mean, ideally it's, yeah, kind of like that back and forth. Um, like, you know... I would love it if I could just, you know, like I said, like, you know, give away customized game engines to everyone willy-nilly, right? But obviously, <laughs> you know, I don't have the time for that. Um, so certainly, you know, I'm sort of calling it, um, you know, it's like strategic partnerships uh, is sort of what we're looking for. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is, you know, ones that, you know, kind of benefit uh, both parties, uh, ideally, even if things don't work out. Um, you know, so an example is, uh, you know, like I say, to use the example of Robin again, he came to me and said, well, I want to make this strategy game. And I thought to myself, you know, I, I like strategy games. I could see myself making a strategy game at some point in time. I, you know, I could add that tech that he needs into my engine. And even if, you know, for whatever reason, that doesn't work out, he doesn't finish the game or something, I still have strategy game tech built into my engine that I could then use later on if I wanted to. Um, you know, which is, is kind of cool, even though it, you know, I guess, you know, it didn't work out exactly the way we wanted. It still, you know, has some benefit. And so, you know, that's sort of the, the way I'm looking at it is, you know, ways in which, you know, both parties can help each other out or at least, you know, have some uh, intrinsic benefit, you know, no matter what happens. Awesome. I like strategy games. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not a big yeah. fan, but I more power to you. Make them. Yeah. Games are great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, um, yeah, so uh, Garden of Indie is is not a publishing company, so what are some of the limitations right. of this? Yeah, um, so one way that we're going to be different than, yeah, like traditional publishers or even a lot of, you know, the other, you know, 
funds out there. You have like the indie fund and stuff, which kind of takes on sort of like that publisher role for indies in terms of, you know, they're providing, you know, money and expect, you know, kind of these milestones, you know, to come in to show, you know, in good faith, you know, what you're using the money for. Um, yeah, we're trying to do something very different. Like, you know, we're not saying, you know, again, you know, here's a bunch of money or here's, you know, some other, you know, thing, you know, that we're, you know, giving you in, in exchange for, you know, your work, right? Because um, that, you know, has a very different dynamic than, you know, what I'm going for, which is more of a partnership where, you know, against, you know, some person or some team would say, hey, we really want to make this game, but we just have this hole. And, you know, if that's, you know, a hole that we're able to, you know, kind of come in and, and fill and bridge that gap, uh, you know, then we want, you know, to work together with, um, you know, these other people to make an awesome game. And at the end of the day, that's the goal, right, is making awesome games and empowering people to make awesome games with us that otherwise, you know, wouldn't be able to. Um, so I think, yeah, you know, the whole dynamic of how it would, you know, function uh, amongst, you know, different people is very different than traditional publisher developer. Plus, you know, there's really, you know, I don't, I can't imagine a situation where we would just, you know, give someone money to make a game in exchange for, I, I don't know what, you know, like <laughs> publishers, you know, would take the profits or take the IP or something like, you know, that's just not really, you know, the kind of business we want to be in, so. Cool. Um so this makes me think of, I mean, it's not a direct comparison, but Project Greenlight on Steam, which is, you know, their new thing about, do you think there's any kind of comparison there between their way of helping getting indie games out there and with you guys? Um, yeah, I think it's pretty different. Um, you know, that is for, again, you know, teams that pretty much have everything they need to make their game, except, I guess, a distribution platform um, or some sort of, you know, platform on which, you know, to let people know about their game, um, which, you know, certainly, you know, if we were working with someone, we would, you know, tell people about the game and, and things like that. But, um, you know, we certainly it's more, you know, what we're trying to do is more help people, um, you know, again, bridge the gap or fill in the holes in terms of the actual pieces they need to develop something. Where, again, you know, I think Greenlight is more about just sort of showcasing uh, teams and products that you know, are already you know done or, or being developed or you know kind of have the pieces in place already. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so basically, like, in a way, maybe the game was going for Project Greenlight, then Garden of Eden could be a step on that way to help them get the game made. And then that's right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So so do you have a planned time to start rolling out the Garden of Indie partnerships? Um, you know, like the initiative itself, you know, we're not that's kind of undefined at the moment. Um, you know, we're trying it uh, in a couple ways, like, um, yeah, working with Robin in a game, and we've uh, partnered with a couple uh, students from a local university here mm-hmm. um, to kind of, like, you know, let them sort of explore areas of development with us and, you know, just kind of get that experience, hands-on experience. Um, but, you know, it's something, you know, we'd, we'd love to reach out further uh, to more people and kind of, you know, open it up to a much broader audience, but... You know, uh, one of the big, you know, limiting factors, of course, is just, you know, the, the time of everyone involved, right? Um, and uh, I'd love to, you know, be able to work with tons of people. But, you know, I you know, I only have a limited amount of time, as do the other guys on the team. And so, it, yeah, it's hard to say, you know, when things will really be able to, you know, kind of roll out. Um, but if, you know, this all works out with, you know, Robin's game and these students, um, I definitely hope to expand on that by doing more um, and, you know, trying uh, new types of, of offerings and experiences for sure. But in terms of exact timelines, it's hard to say. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm always open to talking about it, though. If someone like, you know, for someone out there that says, well, I have something brewing that would be perfect for Garden of Indy, you know, by all means, they should contact me and I'd love to talk. Uh, you know, I can't make any promises, of course, but, you know, certainly yeah. I would never would never close the door on anyone. So, so about the whole contact thing, um, are you seeing this as a way, right? I mean, it's still pretty early on right now. I mean, you're just starting to talk about this. So are you kind of in the moment where you're only really reaching out to people or are people, you know, is it possible for people to come to you with their ideas? Or are you just trying to keep I'll, it limited right now? I, you know, it, it's absolutely possible for, for them to come to me. Um, I think it's, at this stage, it, it's hard, or harder, I should say, um, you know, for me to be able to work something out with someone um, who just, you know, kind of approached me in that manner. 
but I would certainly never say like, oh, no, no, I don't want anyone contacting me. Like, no, not at all. Like, if you know, there very well could be someone out there who thinks that you know their whatever situation they're in is, is perfect for the Garden of Indy, and they contact me, and you know, and maybe I agree, and, and we go forward. You know, how likely is that? I don't, I don't know, but I, um, you know, I'm certainly open, you know, to having people contact me, and you know, maybe even if it doesn't, you know, necessarily make perfect sense right now. You know, still establishing that for for down the road is something. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to encourage. Awesome. Uh, well, obviously, it's a, a very exciting time at Eden Industries right now. Yeah. Not only with you know new game, new company initiatives, but you even mm-hmm. got some new stuff coming out for uh, for Waveform. Uh, can yes. you tell us a little bit about that before we wrap uh, yeah. things so, up? Um, so first off, you know. We've been planning this for a while, and we're you know, trying to come around to it, but we're doing uh, ports to mobile, so we're trying to do uh, um, iOS and Android, and we've sort of got those both started up. iOS a bit further along, but um, Android's coming along too. And, you know, it's the kind of thing everyone has pretty much unanimously said to me when they played Waveform, hey, this would be great on, like, on a tablet or touch device. So, um, you know, I, I agree, and I think it's something that, you know, that we've, we've been wanting to do for a while, but it's kind of starting to make sense now, so we're looking into that. Um, and the other one, which is, you know, even earlier in development than that, but something we've been playing for a while as well, is sort of a, a, a mode of the game, I guess you could call it, where you can import um, your own music and have the game automatically generate a level for you based on the music. And, you know, it'd be something similar to, you know, games like Audio Surf have done. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not necessarily totally yeah. novel, but um, it would basically, you know, pair the kind of deep space mode uh, of waveform with, you know, people's music. And, and I think, you know, in a, in a kind of fun way, since, you know, obviously you're traveling on, you know, a wave already, and there's obviously a lot of implications there with, you know, audio and things like that. So mm-hmm. uh, I think it would be a pretty fun thing to uh, be able to experience. But, you know, I, you know, I can't 100% promise that you know, it's, it's going to come <laughs> out or give any time frame. We're still exploring it and, you know, kind of playing around with it. So, but, uh, you know, it is something that we're working on. So, yeah. That is still a really cool idea. I've always heard of the games that do that, but I've never actually played one. So if it if it does come when it if or when it does come out, Waveform will yeah. probably be my first <laughs> look at something like that. Awesome! Yeah, right on. Well, uh, that sounds great. Thank you for for being on with us. Thank you for uh, taking time out. Uh, really enjoyed this talk. Uh, for the listeners that want to learn more about Eden uh, Industries, you can check out Ryan's website at EdenIndustries.ca. Uh, if you want to follow him on Twitter, you can uh, follow him at Eden Industries. Um, and if you want to send him an email, if you've got a great game that you want to uh, work with him on, you can email him at Ryan at EdenIndustries.ca. Um, and you can find all the uh, the Darkcast stuff um, in the show notes. Uh, follow us at DartStation uh, underscore com. Send us emails. Uh, give us a rating on iTunes. All that kind of awesome stuff. And uh, thank you once again, Ryan, for being on, and have a good week. Yeah, you too. Thanks a lot. It was fun. It was great. <laughs>